to the Respect Team podcast. I am Amy Hanna, and I have the privilege of being the director of the Respect Team, a nonprofit organization that speaks to middle school and high school students about the importance of self-respect and respect of others. This podcast is specifically designed for the parents of young adults seeking more support and resources in raising their amazing teens. I have my dear friend and board president, Paige Klingenfield, with me. Paige is a licensed counselor and has been working with young adults and their families for several years. Today we are going to be talking about how this recent pandemic has affected the mental health of our teenagers. Hello Paige and thank you so much for being here today. Hey Amy, I'm real excited about this topic because not only do both you and I have teens at home who are experiencing the anxiety, but we know that they're friends and there's other parents out there that have kids that are struggling, so this is a great topic to really delve into. Okay, so first question. Before the pandemic, anxiety in our teenagers was at an all-time high. How do you think the pandemic has affected anxiety in our teenagers now that we have gone through it? Goodness, it's been a year. Yeah, almost one year exactly. I mean, in March is when we shut down the schools. For six months, it felt like, you know, it was a lot. Gosh, there's so many things that this pandemic has affected in terms of mental health. The the fact that we are not in control of, of the world and environment around us, the fact that something that's invisible can impact your body and change your, your family structure, taking away jobs and health and creating mental health issues even in family members like parents and aunts and uncles and siblings. So that creates a, a new sense of being out of control for teens and, and also just the fact that they have to be on technology all the time in order to become educated. We know that technology changes the brains of not only adults, but teenagers as they're developing. It creates ADHD symptomology. It increases anxiety if they don't get access or stimulus from technology. And then also the social component of not seeing their friends, not connecting. We are designed for connection face-to-face, in person, and our kids unfortunately have not been able to engage in that either. So all of those things in combination, of course, are increasing their stress and it's actually decreasing their coping skills and their tolerance to the stressors around them. So it's a, it's a double blind issue for sure. Yeah, I just recently heard the statistic that we had a 40% increase in the suicide hotline during the pandemic. So I think a lot of that has to do with that social isolation, mm-hmm. but also with the rise in technology use too. That's right. So Paige, why do you think some parents struggle with noticing that their child is struggling with mental health or maybe even struggling with asking their child what thoughts and feelings they're experiencing? Well, teenager behaviors, I guess is a way to say it, uh, is very isolating to begin with. Teenagers are figuring out who they are, so they're separating from their parents. That's a natural transition of autonomy. 
Unfortunately, what they're doing now with this pandemic and the anxiety and the depression and the social isolation is that they're increasing their isolation. So going to their rooms more, or even if they are able to get out of quarantine, for instance, they're able to hang out with maybe one friend or sports group, you know, in social distance adequacy. They're able to engage in those relationships, but then they come home and they're not engaging with you. Again, some of that is somewhat normal for their their age, but to the degree that things are happening now, they're increasing their isolation. So parents are taking what should be a, a normal transition and I guess overanalyzing that this is this is okay, this is a reaction to things. And so parents need to be aware that the more irritable your child is, the more that they're distancing from their relationship with you, the more that they're engaged on their phones, on their technology consistently and in their rooms away from you, I think is indicative that you need to start engaging in conversation, just asking them, how are they doing? And of course, they're going to say things like, I'm fine. And you know, the whole thing, like I'm stressed. And you, my daughter loves to say, you just don't understand, you know, and then she'll say, you're taking the counselor voice. And I'll be like, oh my golly. So in those cases, it's just good that your kids know that you you see them, that you're asking the questions, you're engaging with them. And I love the idea of even saying, this is really hard. This is really stinks. And, and it's something that none of us predicted. So even normalizing those feelings of wanting to isolate and irritability and all of those things can actually release the tension that your teen's experiencing, hopefully then able to engage in a healthy conversation with you. Okay, so that takes us to the next question. Maybe there's a parent who is listening today who is noticing that their teenager is struggling with some sort of mental health condition. It doesn't have to just be anxiety. It could be tons of stress that they're dealing with. It could be that isolation and maybe they're struggling with depression. So maybe that parent is noticing those types of things. Maybe they noticed it before the pandemic But now because of the pandemic, everything is increased. Or maybe they've just started noticing because of the pandemic and the social isolation. So what kind of tips can you give? I think one of the biggest things they can do is just engage in conversation. Too often parents fear bringing up the words anxiety, depression, and even suicide. We think that if we mention the idea of suicide, that that will make our children want to commit suicide. That is the biggest misnomer out there because it actually highlights what the kids are feeling and it takes that thought, that fear, that anxiety out of isolation. And that's what we need and want for our kids. We have to ask them directly. And when we do so, hopefully they start sharing with us what's really going on. So after we explain to them, are you depressed? Are you anxious? Are you suicidal? Do you have thoughts of wanting to kill yourself? Then you say, I know that it is tough and whatever you say is going to be okay because we're going to do this together. So not only are we helping them take those feelings out of isolation, but now we're giving them a way of feeling connected with us so that we can get them help. That is huge parents. So that is one of the biggest things that you can do is just start in a conversation. I think also involving other people, adding people to the conversation, whether it's a, it's an adult at the school or it's other parents, neighbors, 
Who else is close to your child that can also be having these conversations? There is something about kids coming to parents. I wish it wasn't true. I have it with my own kids that they don't always want to share things with me. And that's okay because I have other adults in their lives that will be having those conversations. I need my kids to be having so that hopefully they can share some of the deeper, darker stuff that they're experiencing. So again, asking the questions, normalizing the feelings, and inviting other people into the conversation is one of the biggest ways to start engaging in these these tough things. So you actually brought up a couple of these different things, but we call this the A, B, C, D, E's. Lots of those. Yeah. (laughs) Of mental health conversations with teenagers. Okay, nice. (laughs) So this is from the Fuller Youth Institute. So the A is ask, which is Mm -hmm. just what you talked about. One of the questions that you can ask is something as simple as, can you rate your anxiety on a scale of 1 to 10? That's good. With 1 being, I can manage it, Mm. to 10 being, I need support right now. Yeah. So that's just a simple question. In fact, I think the doctors use that when you mm-hmm. go into the doctor. Can you rate your pain from 1 to 10? Yeah, that's right. So it's just a simple question. It helps them to put to words what it is that they're dealing with and really determine, is this something that I can manage or is this something that I think I need support and I need to go talk to somebody? Well, and side note on this as well, and I, we'll go through the others, is, is that you can't, you have to validate the way your teen feels. So you may not feel like they're at a level eight, even though that's what they told you. You have to validate that and say, okay, I hear you. You're at a level eight. So that means we need to get you support. When you validate that, instead of dismissing it, it allows your teen to trust that you can handle this with them and you won't dismiss it. So definitely validate how they feel. Yeah, I love that. So the B is breathe, slow down the heart rate, slow down the brain. So sometimes our students, especially if they're dealing with lots of stress or if they're dealing with lots of anxiety or just a really intense emotional situation, reminding them to breathe. Mm-hmm. I think I think for adults, we struggle with that too. We just need a reminder, just take a breath. So we call it four second breathing. Do you know the four second breathing? I the four seven eight is that right? Oh, I don't know that. Okay, share yeah. that. Okay, so the four seven eight breathing is actually a, a technique that lowers your blood pressure, decreases your heart rate, and improves the oxygenation of your blood. So you breathe in four beats, and then you hold your breath for seven, and then you exhale for eight. It's supposed to be staggered like that because that there's something the biological that helps. But again, you breathe in four beats hold it for seven and you exhale for eight and do that a couple times. I know there is a, especially if your heart rate is racing that you could start feeling a little dizzy. So you probably need to sit down and no longer hold your breath for super long, like seven beats. But again, it's that process of slowing down everything in your system. So you can start being more rational in your thinking instead of that primitive emotional side in your brain. I'm trying to determine if I can hold my breath for seven seconds. You can. It is. It's so much easier. So you just take it in a big, deep breath and you hold it. And I've done this before public speaking. I have done this with my clients. In fact, I did this this past weekend when we had a gathering and someone had to speak in front of a large group of people. After she was done speaking, she was having a physiological reaction, almost a panic attack. And so I I grabbed her and I, I held her arms. So again, that touch was really important too to kind of stabilize her 
her and then just told her, just breathe, just breathe. And later she told me, she goes, I know breathing's intuitive, but I just didn't think it. Well, it's because your brain is in fight or flight, right? You are ready to run off into the distance to flee whatever is happening. And so for us, our body is supposed to be hyped, but really we're not threatened. This isn't a life or death situation. So we have to tell our body, calm down. It's okay. We are safe. That's fantastic information, especially for speakers. I feel like I need to do that better. So the C is center on a word or a phrase because repetition really calms down the brain. So do you have a certain word or a phrase that you repeat in your head, let's say, right before you go to speak at a big event? Mm-hmm. I think it changes per situation. Sometimes I feel out of control and unsafe. And so I remind myself, you are in control. You are safe. You have people that love you. You are fully loved. And and of course, I have a, a deep faith in Jesus. And so I call on him or I'll use scripture. Um, don't be anxious about anything, but with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, give it to the Lord and, and he gives you strength. And so things like that, that I, I call on often, but there is that element again of when you are heightened and stressed out, you are in that emotional side of your brain. So everything that you view and think is going to have an emotional skew where you grab hold of to a word and a phrase and you repeat that over and over again, it actually switches your brain. So you're now working on the cognitive analytical side. So then you can process better. So there is so much value, again, about just picking a word, picking a phrase so that you focus on that instead of the emotions. Okay, so the D is develop. So it's develop your team of people. We typically say try to have five people within your child's life that is not you, that does not include you. So that could be mentors, that could be teachers, that could be a counselor, that could be a youth pastor, family friend, maybe an extended family member. But it's just really important to have different people within your child's life that is speaking truth to them and helping them. And especially in those moments where they don't want to come and talk to you. And that is okay. It is okay. It's very normal. So the E is empower through empathy. So that just means sit with them in their pain. You actually said this earlier, just acknowledging their pain, saying, Mm -hmm. you know what, what you're going through, it just really, really stings. And I am so sorry that you are going through this, but then it's also empowering them to take that next step. You know, that really stinks. I hate that you're going through this, but I know that you can handle this. So let's figure this out together. And it's that growth mindset too. It's saying that, yes, it's horrible right now. It stinks right now. You don't have tons of hope, but take one step forward and it will be a little bit better. So it's like bite-sized pieces. I love the growth mindset because again, it's building up that, that strength modality of you can get through this. It's not all rainbows and butterflies. It is hard. It's not about perfection. It's about going through the process. There's power in changing your thinking in that way. Yeah. Thank you so much, Paige. Thanks for being here today and for talking about this subject. So we want to thank each of you for listening to this episode of the Respect Team podcast. We hope that you enjoyed it and that it provided the support that you need. As always, we encourage you to go to our website at respectteam.com to check out our blog, our upcoming events, or just to connect with us. If there is a topic that you would like for us to cover, please send your ideas to info at respectteam.com. And to all of our listeners, we want to remind you to respect yourself, respect 
respect others and respect all. Before I could read it, I deleted it. Before I could read all of the things you wanted.